0: Welcome back to The Road to Seven. I am your host, Sheila Cummins, and today I'm speaking with Juliana Tam from The Little Market Box. If you've ever had that idea come to you, and in your gut you knew it was the right one, and you immediately took action, and it turned into something, then this is an episode that you don't want to miss. Welcome to The Road to Seven. I'm your host, Sheila Cummins. I am an entrepreneur, a mentor, an investor, a wife, and mom to three beautiful children. Women entrepreneurs are up-leveling and changing the rules for business strategy, leadership, success, money, and impacting the world every single day. The Road to 7 is the diary of business strategy for women entrepreneurs. We meet you where you're at in your business and champion you along the road to your vision. And I am honored you chose to join us today. Ready to go? Buckle up. It's time to hit the road. Shonda of Bentlock Farms producing beef, and Juliana, of those girls at the market producing chocolate, were neighboring vendors at the Saskatoon Farmer's Market, who wanted to tackle the question, how do we support the individuals and the families who are relying on the Farmer's Market as their livelihood? After a conversation, which then immediately turned into action, In comes the Little Market Box, an online platform and retail hub that fosters the success of local producers who are doing what they love to do, like feeding their animals, planting and harvesting their crops, or getting up at the crack of dawn to bake fresh bread. Simultaneously, the Little Market Box offers customers accessible fresh food without the time constraints or parking complaints of a traditional farmer's market and without compromising the dedication to locally produced goods. Juliana Tan today talks us through what it's like to work in a partnership and how they came up with their vision for growth and the role that applying for an award, which they ended up getting, played in terms of their growth strategy. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I learned about my guest today, Juliana Tan, as she and her business partner, Shonda Blacklock, were RBC Canadian Women Entrepreneur Awards recipient back in 2021. And they won the One to Watch Award. And I have been watching them ever since. And it's been a a fabulous journey to sort of be looking at from the outside in. Juliana, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be on here with you. Oh, thank you. It's an honor to have you. Have you, Juliana, always been an entrepreneur? How on earth did you get into this space?
1: You know, I myself never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. I actually, I grew up with the dream of becoming a doctor. I went to university to get my undergrad in kinesiology with the plans of being a doctor. But if I really look back on growing up, one of my first memories that I have when my sister and I, we lived in a small town and one day we were playing and we decided that we're going to have a garage sale because we wanted to sell our toys to see if we could take profit. And so I remember that we didn't even know how to spell garage yet. And so we we tried to kind of like, how do you spell this? And then we hauled all of our toys out to our driveway. We're sitting there and we and my sister got me to hold the sign up, garage sale, toys for sale. And so ever since we were really young, both my sister and I kind of had this interest in in business. Both my parents, they own a restaurant. And so we grew up grew up around entrepreneurs. And so I think it's just
0: runs in the family. And so, so yeah, we just kind of, it just pulled me back in. I love that. I actually also did my undergrad in kinesiology. But yeah, I thought I didn't really know where it would take me. But what was interesting when I sort of look back on my life journey now is I never in my wildest dreams thought of being an entrepreneur, running my own business. That was never a part of it. But I always wished that I took more business classes. And what stopped me is I never thought that I was smart enough to get in them, which is ridiculous because I had a, once I decided to study Juliana (laughs) beforehand, we don't have to talk about my academic record, but once I decided I was, you know, a 90 plus student. So, but anyway, it's funny how the journeys go. And, you know, when you look back, there are clues, but the little market box is not your first business either.
1: Yep. So my first entry into business was my sister. And I actually started a chocolate shop. We're still running the chocolate shop today. And so that was how that came about was I was in university still. So I was doing kinesiology. So I'm from Saskatchewan and I flew all the way out east and I attended university in Halifax. So I went to Dalhousie. After my third year of university, I came home for the first time to spend the summer and my sister and I were just like, "What should we do this summer? Like, we we should do something to just bond as sisters because we haven't really had that connection for a long time. I've been away for three years, and so we just came up in conversation, like, what, "Why don't we try like making? We we would make chocolate for ourselves. Just we had this really healthy recipe. Our back our backgrounds are both in health and fitness. So, like, we should try sharing this healthy chocolate at the farmer's market. Like, they'd be so fun to do together. And so we just said, "Kate, let's do it." And so we committed. I came home for the summer. We opened up a little booth at the farmer's market, and it took off. Yeah. And so by the time the summer was done, hundreds of customers that would come see us every single weekend at the farmer's market, as the summer came to a close, like, well, we can't just quit. like, You can't just leave all of our customers hanging. So I actually went back to Halifax and finished my degree. And my sister took care of our business for one year. And then as soon as I wrote my last exam, I flew home. And it's been my, well, pretty much my full-time job for the last eight years. Wow. And then tell me how the shift happened to the little market box. So we became really good friends with another vendor at the farmer's market. What had happened was sometimes in the summertime, our farmer's market expands outdoors as well. But in the winter time all the outdoor stuff gets closed down. So we have to squish everyone back on the inside. And it, it works on a very silly rule set seniority. And so we were one of the newest vendors there. And so they actually gave us the thing like, we don't actually have room for you. So you're going to have to leave until next summer. And we were like really bummed about it. But there was another vendor who has been at the market for I think it's 16 years now, oh, wow. she offered to split her booth in half. And she said, you can take half of my booth. I'll downsize and then you can have a space. And so she really just stepped in and took us in under her wing. And ever since we've had a really great relationship with her. But really, it was just one Sunday afternoon at the market. We were chit-chatting and the chocolate shop, we were expanding because we got to the point where we needed our own brick and mortar. We needed dedicated space to produce. We wanted more hours. And so we were opening up our own little shop. And the landlord had approached me and said, do you have any ideas of what I can do with the space next door to your shop? And she said in her vision, like, I would love to have some type of local grocery because the area that we were in is it, kind of a food desert. There's not a lot of access to good food. So she pitched that idea and I didn't think much of it. So I'm like, oh, it's a great idea. But on that Sunday afternoon, I was talking to Shonda. I said, yeah, the landlord was looking to do something next door and she just lit up and she was so excited. She says, we have to do that. That has to be us. And I was like, no, no way. But then she said, yeah. And we're like, should we do it? And literally in that single conversation, we're like, okay, we're going to do it. So we decided to do it on the spot. And just as vendors ourselves, we had faced a lot of the challenges of being a, a farmer's market vendor. It's amazing, but there's a lot of challenges. So you know, we're the people who produce our own products. And so it's a lot of farmers, it's gardeners, it's bakers, and that takes a lot of time to make those products. But we also had this expectation to be the face behind our booth at the farmer's market which caused a lot of conflict because the farmer's market, the city had a lot of pressures. You need to be open more. You know? You're only open two, one or two days a week and we need to serve the community more. So there's always this pressure to be open more. But at the same time as producers, we're like, well, when are we going to take care of our animals? When are we going to do our baking? When are we going to make all our products? And so there's always this kind of battle between burning ourselves out and trying to show up more. And so we thought, wouldn't it be great if there was just a space where all of the vendors could have their stuff available, but we could sell it for them. And so that's what we did. We really had that conversation. We committed to doing it on a Sunday. And on Monday, we were looking at the space with our landlord. So it's very fast paced. Wow. But you know,
0: when you know, you know.
1: Yeah. And that's, you know, that's how it was. It was just, we just both
0: knew when we're like, okay, we're doing it. And your business partner is Shonda Blacklock. Tell us a little bit about her story. What else is she selling? You bet. So she's a beef producer. And so...
1: Shonda, she's uh, quite the personality. If you, she's a great person to, you know, you can run into her and then your best friends in two minutes, right? She's just so chatty. Yep. So she actually has been working at the farmer's market for many, many years. She was a photographer originally and then was just helping some vendors at the farmer's market. And that's where she met her handsome farmer, who is Tom from Benlock Farms. And so they met at the farmer's market and they ended up really hitting it off. They got married. And so now Shonda represents Benlock Farm at the farmer's market, but now at the Little Market Box. And they do purebred Black Angus cattle. And it's been in their family for a very long time. So it's Tom's grandfather who started it. And so it really runs in the family. And so, yeah, so she is the face of Benlock Farms.
0: Fantastic. And so here you are, you're just, you know, the Monday morning strikes, you're like, yep, we're opening this store. What happens next? And so this was
1: probably the summer of 2019 when we decided we were going to do it and what we did was we went on some field trips. And so we we were thinking to ourselves okay let's let's travel and see what other places are doing that are might be a similar concept and just get to know them and meet them and see what their business model looks like. And so we actually traveled to the surrounding cities and towns here in Saskatchewan and just really connected with people doing something similar. And so we were focused on local food. So we went on some field trips. We got to know a lot of the other people doing something similar. And what we ended up doing was taking a look at all these different businesses and picking the pieces that we really liked, but then setting aside the pieces that didn't resonate with us. And so that's really how we kind of started the vision of our businesses is looking at and all sorts of different ways you can do it, and then picking out the things that we felt we could do or that resonated with us so that we really agreed with, and then combining it all together. Yeah, and okay. so that's kind of how it
0: started. What were some of the things that you knew you did not want?
1: So one thing that we knew we did not want is we didn't want to buy wholesale from the producers and just sell it retail. Yep. Our worst nightmare is sitting on a whole bunch of stuff, especially with food, you know, bread and milk. It all has a shelf life, and One thing we knew we did not want to do is just buy a whole bunch and then be responsible for the waste or having to put it on sale. That's just something we didn't want to deal with. And so we knew that up front. Something that we wanted to do is keep the essence of a farmer's market. And so how the farmer's market works is we all pay our membership fees and we have a booth fee. And then we just show up and we're responsible for our display. We're responsible for our products. We're responsible for pricing, Everything. And we're like, we, we really want to keep that, but we wanted to combine it with more of like a retail experience for the customer. So when they come in, they can just shop like they're at a grocery store and just, you know, fill their basket, have one point of sale, have one receipt. And so those are the two kind of concepts we were trying to, to bring together.
0: And so is each vendor responsible for their shelf space?
1: Yes. Yep. Wow. Yeah. There's a business model that we were looking at. It essentially, it's more hands off. And say like, this is your space, make it beautiful, you know, display your stuff, come in regularly and rotate old stock, put new stuff on the shelf. And so it's just to really involve involve the member. So it's not just, okay, you're buying this product from me, there you go. It's they're very involved in the process.
0: And yeah, so that's how it operates. But it's not a cooperative. No. Oh, fascinating.
1: Yes. We were really picking and choosing aspects that we liked and other aspects that we didn't. With our experience at the farmer's market, a cooperative is really great. Until it's not. And so we found during the meeting, it was very hard to be productive and move forward when everyone has an equal say. And it's really all of the meetings were kind of sitting there arguing and not getting anywhere because everyone has equal say. And what, what lacked was a business mindset to be thinking about expansion and moving forward and growth and having a better experience for the customer. And we felt that's what was lacking in our cooperative experience with the farmers market, and so we we knew we didn't want to go the cooperative route where we we could be making business decisions and and guiding the business with a business mindset. I
0: love that, you know, and I think that sort of leads us or segues us into one of my biggest curiosities, which is you know working in a partnership when you're on your own business. Yeah, you know, I've seen it work really well, and I've seen it work terribly. How have you navigated your business growth and and the business journey as a partner? That's such a great question
1: and a very important part. So this is my second partnership and so my first partnership was our chocolate shop with my sister. And yeah, luckily we we get along very well. We're we're best friends. And so I've had experience with a partnership. However, at the same time, my sister and I our biggest blow-ups have been about business. And so what I learned from that is It's going to be difficult. There's going to be times where you're going to butt heads, but if you're willing to do the work and just be able to listen to each other and then mend what happened, it gets stronger. And so I would say my relationship with my sister over time, even though our biggest fights and our biggest arguments and our biggest blowups are all about business, it actually by being able to go through that process, we've actually become closer. We've learned so much about communication. We learned much more about our own personality and how to accept each other and what works better for one person and not the other. So coming into this partnership, we tried to be very aware of starting on the right foot. And so the biggest problem that I had with my sister is we never sat down and we didn't write out the clear expectations of each other. And so oftentimes I felt I was doing way more. She felt she was doing way more. We didn't know who was responsible for what. And we were always dumping that on each other. So in this partnership, we actually had a professional partnership draft agreement through a lawyer done up. That way, we both have our own copy. We both know exactly what we're responsible for, exactly what our expectations are. And so we had a partnership agreement done up through a lawyer. And that allowed us just to be very clear about what to expect from each other. And so I think that was a really good idea. And we're grateful that we did that. Another thing that we do is we make sure about once a month, we check in with each other and we just ask the question, is everything in this partnership still working out for you? And that's such a great question because there are times when Shauna knows like with our chocolate business at Christmas time, we're very busy. And so she sat me down and said, I know you're very busy. What's one thing that I can take off your plate so that you can focus on your business this month? And I give her a task, right? And then when she, you know, every February she goes on vacation, I say, okay, you're leaving for two weeks. What's something that I could do? And so communication is so big and touching touching base with each other frequently. So, you know, maybe once a month or once every two months just to make sure we're on the same page has been so important. But really, I think it always comes down to communication is the biggest thing.
0: But also that division of labor is is really important. How have you been able to navigate the the whole idea that, you know, Chandra's responsible for this, I'm responsible for this, therefore I'm not... Necessarily going to have a say or be a part of that. Like how have you been able to let go? Because as entrepreneurs, I don't know if you're anything like 99% of the women that I work with, but we all have a little bit of a tendency to want to have our hand on everything. So how have you been able to manage that relationship and have to have your hand in everything and let your partner do their job? Yeah. How true is that? That's, I think
1: that has been like one of my biggest Things for personal growth is not being such a control freak, just mm. being able to let go. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm still battling that all the time, right? But it's a journey. And I think learning to trust each other. And so how, how we did it in this partnership is we identify the things that I'm more skilled at and we identify the things that she's more skilled at. And so, for example, I have a lot more experience with the online aspect with running the online store, even with using email, doing podcast interviews, things like that. That's something that I'm much more comfortable with and much more familiar with, where she knows nothing about that. Mm-hmm. And so her skill, she's, like I said, she's such a people person. And so she's very much involved in the physical shop, being face-to-face with our members, our vendors, as well as their customers. She, she has experience, you know, running staff, the hiring process, the training process, telling them what to do, which I'm not very good at. I'm not very, I, I just say... I'm going to do everything because I know how I want it done. Whereas, you know, she's really good at delegating. And so we have really reflected on what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? Okay. So we're just going to let you run what you're good at. I'm going to run what I'm good at. And so that's kind of how we've done it. And I mean, even today we were, we were at our new space picking out wallpaper for our office and Sean and I have very different styles. And so how do you kind of come to the. Agreement. And so for me, I know how important bright colors are for her. And so I said, you know, I'm going to trust you. Do your thing. Let it express you. And so that was me just putting the trust in her. And so finding the spaces where you do have to let go and trust that other person to do their own thing, even though
0: it might not be my style, it's still good and it's still beautiful. Right. Because it's kind of about the intersold. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. You know, I I came across your business and what you're doing because you were one of the award winners. You won the ones ones to watch award through the Women of Influence program. Tell us a little bit about the process of application. What's happened as a result? How's that been?
1: It's really an honor to be named one to watch among so many amazing businesses across Canada. So the process, we actually were nominated by one of our customers. She had just sent us a message saying, "Hey, do you mind if I nominate you for this?" I'm like, "Sure." Sure. And we had no idea what it was. And so we had gotten the nomination and when we were going through the application process, it was actually quite the application process. And so you had to submit quite a bit. And so it was really laying out like who you are as a business. What is your mission? What is your vision for yourself over the next, you know, three years, five years? And so it really forced us to sit down and write this all out and become very clear about it. And so, yeah, it was quite, it took weeks to to complete the application. And we were just, we were so excited to have been notified that we were one because we didn't, we never really thought of ourselves. As, we're just doing our own thing here. And this, you know, we got national recognition across the entire country, which was really amazing for us. The biggest thing that we took away from that, well, a couple of things. So definitely confident. And so I definitely noticed between myself and my business partner, we just, we know we're doing something Right. And that's always just, it's nice to hear and nice to know that. And so that was one thing that we're definitely doing something right. We're on this journey and it feels good to pursue. Now the application process of getting very clear about who we are, like what is our why, what is our mission and what are what do things look like for us over the next one year, three years and five years, that actually helped us make some decisions to grow our business. And so without having that clarity, I think we would just kind of be doing the same thing that we're doing. So going through the process of, you know, like, where can we take this business? What is, what is our potential here? And how practically, how, what step by step do we need to do to get there without having that plan? We wouldn't be ready to take those steps. And as I, as I hopped on right before we started recording, I had mentioned that we actually just got the keys to our bigger location and making the decision to expand into a place that's over twice the size for us. That decision was easy because we had it laid out of what our what our three-year vision looks like. And it involves a bigger space. And so we're like, okay, now's the time. So yeah, that's the biggest thing is really just being very clear about what our growth looks like and then taking action on it.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. And you know, that's one thing that I think, you know, women entrepreneurs don't take the time out to do because it's not in the moment, it's not a revenue generating activity. So then we think, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't be spending my time do that. I got to be doing this and that. Yet, that is literally the most important key if you want to grow is taking the time to think about what it is that you want. And then what are the steps that have to happen to get you there? So I love that you did that. And you're now living it, moving into this new brick and mortar. And so your business right now spans brick and mortar and e-commerce. Are there any challenges to that? Well, when we started, we always
1: knew we always knew we wanted to integrate an online aspect because we felt that's what was missing, too, with the farmer's market. There was no online involvement. And we said, you know, this would be so nice if you could just hop online and browse and learn about your local farmers and fill your cart online and get it delivered to your door. So we always wanted that online aspect. So right from the get-go, we wanted to have both online and retail. I remember the platform that we used was Square. And so we're still using Square. The reason being is because it, it integrates with the online and physical retail very well. So we can inventory track on the same platform, which is really important. That was our biggest thing is we had to choose something. We we're trying to think of, okay, so how are we going to manage inventory for we're selling out online and in-store, right? And so using the Square platform allowed us to do that. So when we sell online or if we sell an item in-store, it takes off from our online inventory, right? So that way no one can buy it online. So we don't double sell things, which is good. But yeah, we didn't really have... Like when we first started... this was my first experience going online. And so we didn't really know exactly how to do it. Like I had a vague idea. I'm like, okay, so we're going to set up this online website. People are going to submit orders. And like, we just click, okay, we're going to click fulfill. It's all good. And it worked good when I had like 10 orders. It was fine. But then when I had 90 orders, it was not fine. I was (laughs) like, I I don't know how to do this. And so the challenge that we came up with is I can look at the individual order slips, but I couldn't see the big picture of what, what was everything that we needed, right? So before I was going individual orders like, okay, so we need one thing of milk, we need this, and then I was going to the next one. I was like, I can't keep doing this. So the biggest game changer that I learned is how to use a pivot table in Excel. We had actually a high school teacher helping us out, and she said, "Listen, I know someone who's really good on the computer." So she asked him. She told him our problem, and she asked him, like, what, "Like, there's got to be some type of program that can help with this." And so he showed her the pivot table, and she showed me, and it was a game changer. So learning how to use Excel was a big thing for us. And I, I would say like, I don't know if we would do it any other way. There was really no way for us to know how to do things until we had to do things. If that makes sense. Experiential
0: learning is what I call that.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And so we just kind of launched and then, you know, we faced a problem and we had to deal with it and we were forced to, and now that's a part of our system. So now we have things pretty smooth, but that was a big challenge. It was just, you know, like, I think I know how to do this Then I and then at some point I was like, I can't do this anymore. So figuring out how to do that. But regarding challenges, can't think of much. There's a lot of big fluctuations. So there are times in the year where we're a lot heavily online, especially with COVID and the pandemic and all that. We went, we were heavy online when we started. It was majority of us was online. Now, and, and in the summer when people start to, you know, get out of their houses and want to get out and about, we find that our perfume water gets very busy. And so it's it's this big flux of being online and in-store, but we manage both. So.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. I have two questions and then I'm going to let you go. First question is, what do you know now that you wished you knew when you started? That's a great question. I would say, I
1: would say learn, really, really trusting your intuition. So throughout the process of starting this business to where we are today, there have been a lot of decisions that we have to make, had to make a lot of different ways that we could have gone. A lot of people coming with us with pitching their ideas, and we had to, you know, accept or reject it. And at the time, there was some situations where we said that everything looked right, but it didn't feel right. And so we said no. And it was very difficult to say no. But in hindsight, looking back, I can see how that that was not the path for us. And that's something that we're working on now is really how do we feel about certain business decisions? Is it in line with us? Does it align with even though it looks great on paper, this, you know, someone wants to invest in us? Does it make sense with our beliefs and our why? And so once you are clear on on your reason why and why you're doing what you're doing, it makes it a lot easier to make decisions, even if on paper, everything looks right. But if it doesn't feel right, then, you know, take that seriously. And so if I would have known to trust my intuition or, or kind of Trust that a little bit more. It would have been a lot easier of a journey other than making so many decisions of yes and no. Just you know, learning to to look inwards and seeing how it feels, and if it doesn't feel right, well then maybe that's not not the way to go.
0: Yeah, it's you probably like not it right. And if we all trusted our gut more,
1: yes, yeah. And so, yeah, learning to trust your gut and learning to be quiet and tune in tighter. Right, instead of just being so busy and and making all these decisions all the time, having that space to just be quiet and see how you feel about things is really important. And last question, what's next
0: for the little market box?
1: Yeah, so as I mentioned, we are expanding. So we've grown to when we first opened our business, we thought like maybe in two or three years we'll have 30 other members with us. And you know, within six months we had 60 members and now we're over a hundred members. And so we have quite a bit of momentum. And so the next step for us is definitely having more space. More space will allow us to expand our retail section, but also more space to pack orders and manage the online, just having dedicated warehouse space. So expanding, once we're able to expand and really, really establish the systems that run our business, what we would really like to do is start branching out and creating relationships with other people who are doing something similar. So, you know, we really believe in representing our home. So Saskatchewan and everything that we sell has been made and baked and grown and gathered here in Saskatchewan. And so connecting with the tourism industry, connecting with local restaurants, connecting with the community at large that really help embrace what Saskatchewan is. And so we have that kind of on our on our radar for this upcoming year once we move into our larger location. And then we are entertaining the idea of teaching other people how to do what we've done so that other provinces can also really strengthen their local food supply chain. And so that's something that is in the works maybe about four or five years down the line once we really get our systems in place, seeing how we can share this. So yeah, just letting this yeah letting this grow bigger. Then it's not just you know Sean and I. It's now it's a little market box and it's going to grow and it's going to be what it is. So
0: yeah, I wondered if there was a, a plan to expand out of Saskatoon, even you know going to Regina first and then spreading out into the other provinces. I was curious yeah. if that was part of the growth plan. It is. But
1: yeah, we feel that it's very important for us to get very clear on our systems first. And that's something that we're still I mean, we've gotten a pretty good grasp of it, but that's something that we're still learning and still putting in stone of of how what makes us operate, you know, with our hands off, Uh, which is which is a challenging thing to do, especially if you're the person who wants to do everything, but being able to, you know, put it into a system and then trusting other people to follow that system.
0: Smart moves. Where I know that people are going to want to follow you, especially people in the Saskatchewan area. Mm -hmm. Where should people connect with you and to learn more about you?
1: So we're very active on our social media. And so Instagram's our most active platform. We're at the little market box right on Instagram. And you can always hop on and check out our website, which is www.thelittlemarketbox.com. And so those are probably the two best places to stay in tune with us.
0: Amazing. Juliana, thank you so much for sharing today. So many great insights and truth bombs about the reality of growing both in e-com and brick and mortar and also in a partnership. I really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Road to Seven.